Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. Let's get to it, man. Welcome to the show, everybody. Turg. Good again. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, uh, making a mental effort to try and enunciate a little bit more. Because every time we do this, um, so season one was a lot of drinking. Season two so far has been a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell? I, I, I hear it in myself when I talk. I feel like I'm talking really fast right now. But that that could just be me and and being overcritical. But I feel like I talk really really fast every time we do an episode where we're drinking coffee. Yeah. Well, for me, you you talk fast, and really to me, it doesn't sound like you're talking fast. But for me, I slur a little bit more. It's almost like I'm drunk, but it's the cotton mouth that the caffeine gives me. Okay. You don't get cotton mouth. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think I do. <laughs> I but do. The, the, I'm I'm more caught up on the idea of like cotton mouth leads to slurring because yeah it does because then i can't enunciate because i get like dry mouth that's is that the sound of dry mouth okay <laughs> you'll hear all it right. Okay. all right all right so what's up what have you Man. been up to well today i actually had a pretty big day um i hit three open houses and so i i, I had mentioned to you i was gonna go look at this one house and it was a really weird setup um but Afterwards, after I put my bid in, I went and looked at another house that's on my cousin's block uh, in Santa Ana. And the house for the neighborhood, knowing the neighborhood, knowing the community, they they wanted five hundred thousand for this house, and the appraisal didn't come back at five hundred thousand. Um, and so, you know, the house is beautiful; it is immaculate. They they did a great job, mm. but you can't change the neighborhood. And, oh uh, yeah, my aunt was telling mm. me how uh, her old neighbor, because the house is like literally. Uh, two houses down from where their house used to be. She was telling me how her old neighbor's grandson was recently shot. Uh, and that's the house right next door to the house that's trying to be oh, sold. Oh, man. And so, In the house? No, no, no. It was, had to be at their house or somewhere along the lines. Like a the, drive-by type yes. deal? Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh, Santa Ana? Yeah. Really? Santa Ana's pretty big with gang culture. Did not know that. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, there is also a... Uh, not to say gentrified, but there's also like a very wealthy side of Santa Ana. Okay. Going towards the thing Fountain Valley. But for the bulk of my life, the Santa Ana that I knew uh, was always a little rough around the edges. So anyway, I was talking to the, the real estate agent and kind of like pleading my story, giving the, the family history, like really playing on this emotional the sob story. Yeah, yeah. Just like see if I can like bring them down on the price and like, hey, give, give me a shot because this is way out of my budget. But is, you know, is your seller open? Because they've been sitting on the house for... Uh, at least 80 days. Okay. And uh, this is a new real estate agent, so they didn't really know the history of the house, the neighborhood, whatever the case is. And so this is this is a house that's like, they're trying to sell for, I think, 460 was what it's listed at. Wow. So I was trying to get them to at least come down into like to the 300s, a more reasonable wow. price for like the You're area. trying to get them to knock off 160K? Well, that's actually what... Uh, like low 300s? 300 i was hoping for you know low 300s but <laughs> you're, you're hoping for three i'm hoping for a miracle because they've been sitting on it so long and they're losing money on it okay. that's why i was like hoping they just want to unload it sure but um 
you know she's like you know basically my sob story didn't work but she's like thank you for the history of this neighborhood this is so amazing it's so interesting da, da, da. and that's my cousin walked by just kind of trolling her he's like you want to know who's died outside your house and I just like <laughs> and i and i felt bad because i looked around because there's an asian couple there and another white couple there and i was just like they all heard that comment yeah oh shit yeah and i was like why couldn't you have done that earlier like this really could have changed the tone of my conversation well maybe they withdrew the bids who knows um, so we'll, we'll see if I get a call <laughs> on my offer. Yeah. We're, so when are you supposed to hear back? I honestly don't know. Cause it, the one I told you about where I'd hear back tonight, um, that was a different house. That's a complete gut job. Okay. So you saw a, um, family neighborhood type deal with uh, gang violence. You right. saw a complete fixer upper. What was the third one? Uh, so the third one was actually in my current neighborhood that I live in now. Stanton? Yeah. Okay. And uh, so you're, you're thinking about staying in the OC then? I'm I'm just looking at what's popping up and what I'm kind of in my budget. price range, right? Um, and it was uh, an old reverend that had passed away, so the family's selling the house. Mm. Not updated or anything like. Not that. updated, and it's going for five hundred thousand. Ooh. And I was like, you realize that houses in this neighborhood, once they're flipped, they're going for four fifty, like maybe. So they're overshooting, which yeah. it happens. Of course, you know. of course. Um, they'll realize it. And the cool thing about that is you can, it's public inf- It's public record, so you can go on and see it every time they drop it down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I pay attention to that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, not to say I'm discouraged, but it's been. It's a rough ride. It is, man. I'm a year into this. Yeah, well, I'm. With the interest rates going up, I, you know, not to get off track here, but with the interest rates going up, I have a feeling that we're going to see a little bit of a change in the dynamics of the um, housing market, especially with the housing numbers that came back uh, earlier this week. Um, Housing numbers were negative. So really, um, yeah, the housing numbers were really negative. Single family homes, um, lower uh, sale rate than expected, than anticipated. Because I was hoping like another bubble was going to happen with how fast the the homes have been. Uh, no, rising don't in price. don't count on that. Yeah, don't count on that. They haven't been rising that fast. Yeah, but the interest rate will mitigate that either way. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, someone once told me that it's it's especially when you're buying an investment property, it's less about how much you pay for the house; it's more about the interest rate you get on your loan. Yep. Because you know, property is always going to fluctuate, but eventually go up from where it was. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those investments where you don't really watch. It just kind of happens. You know, we got really lucky with our house, but that's a story for a different day. Yeah, well, the the real estate agent I was telling you about that I told my story to, she's like, you know, you could just get married and you'd qualify for a lot more. You could buy this house. I was like, thanks. You can kill two birds with one stone there. Here, (laughs) let me explain. Okay. You can not only get pre-qualified for a larger loan but you could also help an immigrant out wow wow why not <laughs> try it out you took a whole different i want you to this. be that friend I want, I want a friend like that you know there Can was to be that guy dude i i dated a girl in high school and and she had asked me she's like would you be okay if if i got married to somebody for a little bit of, so they can get their citizenship and i was like um She's like, no, no, we'd still be in our relationship. It wouldn't be anything. It would just be on paper. And I was like, I don't think it works like that. I don't think you understand the gravity of what's going to happen if, you know, what what department takes care of this? It's not customs. 
who follows up on the that? INS. INS comes in and kind of investigates customs. The, it's not U.S. <laughs> customs. I don't know because I know my. <laughs> it's nowhere near customs for objects. Is it? I don't know because my cousin works for customs and he deals with citizenship stuff. That's why I was assuming. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. But yeah, when you think customs, you think of like things coming in, not people right. necessarily. But I guess there, I guess would be a division of. Yeah. So. That's it's funny you say that, but no, I don't think I could do it. Cause I mean that that takes away. It's very selfish of you. Wow. <laughs> Is it though? Is it? Look at the peer pressure already setting in. Now you're considering it. I've seen people do it for money though, and that's yeah, you get paid. Of course you get paid. I I don't think I could do now it. Now it's a little bit more rigorous. Um, so I I think it's harder to f- to fabricate uh, to fabricate those mm-hmm. kinds of things. But anyway. Anyway, how have you been, man? What have you been up to? Well, I've been good. Um, it was a rough week for me at work, but you know, other than work, um, I guess everything's kind of settling in. January has been a weird month in general, uh, you know, a change that we spoke about the last episode with the inauguration and now, you know, Trump is going to town on pretty much everything and anything. Um, so that's weighing a little bit on a lot of things, you know? yeah. uh, especially at my company, um, seen as very progressive um you feel a lot of the drawback uh, that's associated with a lot of what he's doing and it weighs on people you know and you have to manage through that you have to lead through that and it's pretty it's it's hard um and people try not to bring that to work but inevitably it's there it's you know looming over everyone every every minute of the day and that's the reality of the world that we live in now and we have to we have to live through it so it's one of the pressures of life. But uh, aside from all that, and yeah, aside, so how about a positive note on yeah, what you've been up uh, to? A positive note. Um, I I don't know if I mentioned this on air, but uh, I bought um, on a, a package of season tickets to the Pantages Theater in Hollywood. Oh, really? Yeah. And we're going to, we made it an effort. We made a promise to each other to, um, spend some more um, time out together, and as yeah, as an attempt to do that, I, I thought outside the box. And I remember her mentioning, "Oh yeah, I like musicals, and we never do anything that I want to do, and all that." <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny that she says that, um, but you know, um, I took that to heart, and for Christmas, I got her the, the season tickets. So we bought five um, different events. And we already went to the King and I uh, earlier this month in January. And then we went to see Rent. Uh-oh. They were here for a special five-day, five-night engagement. Really? You know, Rent has a special place in my heart. Yeah? Yeah. That was, um, I, I first heard that when I was in high school. We actually performed that in choir. Really? Yeah. They had that. And, I, so you know, looking this, back, I, I don't think that's really appropriate. For, no, not for high, not school. high school. Not at all. Actually, <laughs> after seeing it, I had no idea what it was. And yeah. She didn't either. We went in blank slate completely. But you could totally tell that people were emotionally invested in this production mm-hmm. because of the crowd reaction to different characters coming out on stage, to different songs, to different moments yeah. in the song. And we were sitting there like, hmm, like, what's going on? But, you right. know, we we're really into it. It yeah. was a really great production. A really good script. Um, 
they modernized it a little bit, mm. which was interesting. Uh, a couple little nods to modern society. Not a whole lot, <laughs> but yeah, a couple nods. And listening to the original soundtrack on the way home just kind of reinforced the experience a little bit. You can definitely draw differences. And, and you know, doing theater uh, growing up, I learned the difference between a play in a production okay. or a musical in a production. A production is the director's take on what was written okay. and what was done before. So you can take a play and you can make it your own. You can change the dynamics of the scenery, the character development, and all that as long as it leads to the same avenues, right? Like movies uh, based on books and novels or productions, right? Okay. And that's what they're called. So that's the difference. And in a nod to the production... Um, they did uh, a couple of um, kind of uh, mentions to uh, fads and pop culture that exist now that didn't exist in the 90s when mm-hmm. this was written. And I thought that was very interesting if you were keen enough to pick up on it because it was it's a very fast-paced uh, musical. Yeah. Very fast-paced. So when it started off, there was no, like, The King and I was like, okay, we're starting now. You know, they had the whole music build up mm-hmm. before all the actors got on stage. And you had that, um, that that um, I guess the uh, the buildup. Mm-hmm. I already said that, but yeah, it's all, right. that's all I can do to describe it. And with this, it literally just started, mm-hmm. and we were like, "Wait, uh, okay." <laughs> like, and it was they're off to the races the minute um, the first note was was queued up. So I thought that was really cool. I have, I have two questions for you on, on that, uh, and I'll make sure I get to the second one. First one is, <laughs> first one is 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 you listening? Because this is the second musical you've mentioned this year that you've listened to, uh, audio wise, mm-hmm. right? Is that something you've done before? Or is that something you just started doing? Started doing it. Yeah. Oh, really? Hamilton Hamilton was the, the the originator, and that's because of all the buzz and the press it received. Okay. I think if it, if it wasn't for that, it would have fallen by the wayside for me, and I'm really glad it didn't. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Yeah, um, but this so this is a whole new whole new thing. Okay, I I used to love musicals, but um, I I guess you know points in your life that your taste changes, and now I've kind of come full circle. So yeah, it's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, I my first exposure to musicals was uh, fifth grade with Phantom of the Opera. We'd come in from, from oh, yeah. lunch yeah, yeah, yeah. every every day and we get to listen like 15 minutes of Fan of the Opera. So we got to hear the whole production, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. throughout the entire course of the year. And so oh, that was my soundtrack. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> production would be on stage. but Thanks. thanks. Um, on, on that note, uh, my middle school used to go to um, my eventual high school and my high school was big on doing uh, productions from all over. Mm-hmm. And um, we used to see um, Guys and Dolls and I remember that uh, Little Shop of Horrors and all, all these different you know, plays and musicals. And uh, they actually took us to the Phantom of the Opera at the uh, San Francisco um, Opera House. I completely forgot you grew up in the Bay. Yeah. Until this very moment, it was yeah, because <laughs> the giant's hat and the flag and all my paraphernalia don't give it away. Okay, that's fine. I mean, um, today we're in the house, so it's 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 we've hidden. upgraded. And you have blue walls, so I think, oh, this is the Dodger house. <laughs> they're not blue; they're gray. You have a blue, blue front gray. door. Blue front door, yeah. 
Um, so what was the second question? Qu- second question is uh, actually more of a comment, really. Okay. The idea of listening to the soundtrack versus hearing it live. And the, and the different nuances. And it's just a completely different experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the same with live music and going to see live acts. Like, if you really love an album and you go and see it live, it could kill it for you if, if it's a horrible live show. Right. Right. I mean, that was, I saw Kanye's uh, 808s and Heartbreaks. I happened to be at the uh, Storytime, VH1 Storytellers, when he performed it live for the first time. Okay. I went home and I was like, this is like an amazing show. I can't wait to hear the album. And heard the album. It was the biggest disappointment <laughs> in in his. I mean, for, for me, like as in a his fan, artistic history, yeah. that was the biggest disappointment to me. Yeah, you know. But then you go and have a fantastic album and or hear a fantastic show and or no, no, that's what it was. Fantastic album, and you go hear someone go live like Frank Ocean a few years ago, who cannot hold a note in a live show. Ooh, it's brutal. You know, just kind of like I don't know if I'm gonna see this guy ever again that's my apprehension with going to see hamilton live but i have a feeling um you know on kind of a little segue i i drew upon a lot of parallels between rent and hamilton really a lot if you go back and maybe it was this particular production because they are gearing up for hamilton in a in about eight months and seven months oh it's that pantages yeah okay that's why um we're we're gonna be going to that. So um, we as in we or we as in you and your wife. We as in uh, I'm I'm going to see it multiple times. I've already decided on that <laughs> because it is my favorite on audio. Okay, the soundtrack, the original soundtrack with the original actors. You know who produced that, right? Did I tell you who produced that that soundtrack? Who produced it? Questlove. I think you did mention that. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a whole different. It's it's very different uh, way of doing a, a theatrical soundtrack than union standards. It was a whole big ordeal. I just remember reading about it. Oh, yeah? I felt like sharing. Anyway. Sorry, it's a complete tangent. I don't need to go into it. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that my expectations of the production don't take a fall primarily because of my love for the soundtrack. That's one thing I really don't want to happen, but I'm really excited nonetheless because it is coming here. But going back to my note about the parallels, there are a ton. Um, Music composition, uh, beats, um, structure of the the music, uh, the lyrics, um, emphasis on certain words and the way that they're, um, I guess, presented. It was very interesting. Very, uh, I, I guess... Because I had the exposure to Hamilton at, before going to watch Rent, I could draw that parallel. But back in the day when you would watch Rent, before Hamilton was even uh, you know, a, a blip on the radar, mm-hmm. or a thought, rather, um, people can, you know. So I'm curious, because my musical exposure is very limited. I don't know if a lot of musicals have kind of gone this route. The newer ones, you know, yeah. they all kind of use the same structure and the same composition um, pathways. I'm... I really don't know, but it would be interesting to find out. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's. I think it's pretty interesting what caught your ear and all those things and hearing different nuances and was it enunciation or just use of words? Or enunciation phrases? and use of words and how they're used, the emphasis on the word, um, the way that it was, um, I, I guess, singled out certain words or single notes, I guess you should say, because they have the same pitch as, as some things in Hamilton. 
Um, the way the characters kind of interacted with each other as well. It was very witty, very fast paced, very mm -hmm. back and forth, um, antagonizing each other, same way with Hamilton. But that's the nature of Hamilton, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess that's the nature of Rent too, because there was a lot of antagonizing between the landlord and the tenants and um, uh, the friends when they had a falling out, you know, and the relationships within the relationships, the love interests and all that when they had falling out. So there is a lot of antagonistic properties in, in Rent as well as Hamilton. So I guess it could be the nature of the of the musical. But storytelling, you know, I mean, exactly. Breaking it down. Yeah. So uh, I got crazy thought popped into my mind last night when we were watching it. I was like we should do a podcast on breaking down musicals and 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 stuff that we like, you know, like music and just that whole creative side of it. But anyway. you talking about like doing an entire new podcast or yeah, just making an, an entire new podcast. No, it's funny you said <laughs> I I've actually thought about bring, you know, bringing the idea to you of of you know, things that we might be listening to and kind of just like breaking down what it is that we kind of liked about it or I don't know, but I've had a similar idea and I just wanted to share that. That's like maybe, weird. Maybe we yeah. could make, make that a little segment of uh, the show. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we can look into it. Anyway, if you guys think that's a good idea, if you guys want to hear that or have any suggestions as to, as to what we could break down or talk about on the podcast. Or what um, you think we should be listening to at 30. Yeah. That's good feedback. I mean, now I'm 30. I feel like musicals are kind of the thing I should do because it's a way to get cultured, right? It's right. a way to be adult. <laughs> <laughs> That's not necessarily true because the crowd last night was very young. So yeah, regardless, we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback as to what we should be listening to at 30 or anything that you guys have to recommend to us that we haven't heard yet. You know... <laughs> <laughs> You know what I might use for our outro song this week? What did you have in mind? Uh, you know, the, the actual, actually, the first song, actually, the first song that I'd ever produced with Cliff, I sampled Rent. I sampled the pianos out of Rent. I think I might use that. If I can find it, I might use that instrumental. Out of Seasons of Love? Yeah, Seasons of Love. Ah, all right. Let's oh, do it. Hopefully, we don't get tagged for any copyright infringement. Well, you change one of the notes, and I think you're okay, right? Is that how it works? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's that simple. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to bring something new and different to the show to gauge listener response and to see what you guys had to say about the segment that we're bringing on today. This is going to be the first time we're doing listener questions. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, well, I'm pretty excited because we got a set of questions from a few listeners that we're going to be addressing throughout the show over the next few weeks. And they're interesting. They bring a lot of different perspective into the mix. So if you guys do want to suggest a question, how can they reach us? You can do it through a number of different ways. We can try podcast at talk32me.com. You can find us on Twitter, respectively. You could hit us on Facebook. Or even visit our website, I guess. Oh, that's so a good one. There are a lot of, yeah, we do have a website, people. All right. So there are a lot of ways. Um, so send us your questions, um, and we're going to go ahead and get into this one. All right. Okay. So here is our first question. I just finished a season of basketball where I play overseas professionally and came home for the summer. I decided to get a summer job. After a particularly hard day at my job, I came home, plopped myself on the couch and sighed. At which point my parents, my dad in particular, joked about basketball not being a real job, so I don't know how to cope. 
And once I get into the real world, I'll have rough days all the time. My brother, he constantly wants me to get a real job too. Join the workforce instead of, you know, quotes here, mooch off my parents in the off season. But again, I play basketball and I make a living doing that. How is what I'm doing not a real job? I still have the same pressures to perform, to be presentable in the public eye, and represent my team in a professional manner. It kind of hurts the self-esteem when you don't think your parents are proud of you because they see the kids you grew up with have moved on with their lives and they're starting their own families, a traditional career, and then you have a grown adult daughter at home with no male callers or even a traditional living situation and career. So this strikes me as very interesting. There is a lot of dynamics at play, and in order to really dissect this, I think we need to take it bit by bit. So what stood out at me at what stood out to me at first, rather, was that she expects people to relate to her. She expects people to really understand her situation, and I don't think that that's necessarily fair to the people in her life, because she has a very and she even pointed it out herself by saying they expect her to be traditional. She is, in essence, painting herself as non-conventional, right? right? So I, I think it's a little unfair. Uh, what do you think? Unfair how? What do you mean by it's unfair for... For her to expect that her parents should understand her situation because they don't. I mean, um, there are, are a lot of gaps in her expectation for them to understand where she's coming from and her hardships and her struggle. And maybe she just needs to articulate that a little bit more, communicate it a little bit more. Maybe she's failing at doing that. I I don't know. I, I think anyone that's playing a professional sport, they had a support system coming up through the, the ranks from whether it be high school, college, and making it to the professional level. So there is an understanding of what type of commitment and expectations there is to perform at that level. So I I don't understand necessarily why there's a disconnect now, if if that makes sense. I guess yeah, but I at this this point in her career, there's a disconnect in the relativity because she is abroad. They don't see her yeah. for all but what a handful of months, maybe if mm-hmm. that, and it is a failure to relate to her experience that I think is creating. The issue here that's overwhelming her parents can't relate to her because they don't know what she's going through nor nor do they maybe understand the uh, scope of her work at this point in her career because even though sorry even though they developed her talent right. throughout the years it she's playing at a whole different level right now right but that's also an assumption and there is a chance that one of her parents might have also played professionally as well. So that is an intangible in a sense. Because we really don't know that part of the story. Exactly. Okay. That's fair. But there's another part that she is essentially discredited for her experience, right? But they don't understand that experience. So uh, like I brought up before, maybe she's just not communicating that. And I guess I can kind of relate to her situation in a sense where I think we all have that point in our lives where we have a communication breakdown with our parents and we're, 
yeah, and we're coming from a point where they don't understand us. Maybe during our teenage years or even in college where we're away from home, if we were away from home. Especially if you're the first in your family to go to college. There's definitely some struggle there, right, to get them to understand what you're going through. And that's kind of what I went through, I mean, with my parents. As a child, they were raising me to be very traditional. But I guess as things went on and people went to different places and different avenues, a lot more opportunity became available. But still, when we were growing up, it was very traditional. You go to high school, go to college, get a job. That was it. That's also the assumption, very limited scope of what you know the American dream might have been. The American convention, right? Mm. That That's all it was. And in growing up and learning about all the different opportunity that was out there, the general expectation fell for me by the wayside. And it wasn't an option anymore because in order to succeed, I knew I had to do whatever it took to get there. And I chose a very difficult path to get there. But my parents couldn't understand that. There's no way. They didn't have a traditional education. They didn't have college to fall back on as an option. They came to this country fending for themselves in any way that they could. And that was one of the reasons why they didn't understand the struggle that I had to go through, that I had to endure. But to parallel her situation with mine, in a sense, you can look at it from the communication standpoint. Did I tell my parents what I was going through? Did I do a good enough job to demonstrate my struggle, to demonstrate the intensity of my course load and the really ever-changing um, landscape that was the Ameri- the U.S. economy at the time. That's, um, that's a big one. Leading up, and we keep bringing this up. It's like a recurring theme in our podcast. It's one of those things where we don't measure it because it everyone really went through it. So everyone knows. But to measure that and really maybe articulate it could have provided me a, a good reason as to why I didn't take a conventional approach to go to high school, go to college, get a job. I didn't. I went to college, graduated, went to you know get my uh, graduate degree, got that, left, and couldn't find a job. I had several things fall apart for me en route to the American dream or the conventional American dream. And I'm finally there, but I'm 30 now. Right. At the point of leaving uh, grad school, I was 23. You went You went straight to grad school from undergrad? Yeah. Oh. And there was no gap. So for me, it was one of those experiences where I had to figure it out. And maybe I didn't communicate it as well. So I can kind of see this. where I can totally see where she's coming from. Is she in the right? Is she in the wrong? I I couldn't tell you. But from my experience, looking back on what I went through, I don't necessarily think I communicated my situation well enough to the extent that my parents could understand it. So that's where I think maybe it is unfair of her to get her parents to kind of pin her parents into that corner and say, you know what? They don't understand me. And why... Are they pressuring me to do this when maybe they really, she hasn't given them the opportunity to understand her? Well, there's two things I want to touch on with that one. The first one being uh, sometimes when you take a non traditional path, you have to be okay with people not understanding your struggles. It's just going to happen. Not everybody 
is meant for the life you're choosing, right? Okay. Whether right. you go into uh, entrepreneurship, whether you go into the arts, whether you go into professional af- uh, professional sports, not everybody will know what the expectations are. So you can't expect everybody to always be able to relate to you in that regard. Well, that's what I'm saying. She has to communicate it. But what was your second point? Even even the fact of communicating it, people sometimes just won't get it. And that and that's that's the hard thing to come to terms with. Some people will just never understand the sacrifices you're making for the life that you see for yourself. But there's so many things that you can say to articulate that that would help them see into it, even if they don't necessarily see the fullest extent of your struggle or your you know situation they could still understand and be able to reason with it. Maybe, perhaps, in the best case scenario. But even even if, so say in this partic- particular situation, someone is abroad, right? She She's abroad, she's playing overseas. A lot of relationships are going to take strains from that distance. And it's hard to communicate, like it's hard to be there for somebody, for a friend, for example, when you're, you're separated by an entire ocean. Right, you miss out on a lot of little things. Kids having or friends having kids, uh, sometimes weddings, whatever the case is. So there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it, and some people may hold resentment towards that. Some people may feel any some kind of way, whether it be like a jealousy or indifference. It doesn't, you know, matter. I think in this point, but there's going to be some type of feeling where it's just not going to be favorable for the person that's making the sacrifice for their life. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But again, I am convinced that if you had a good enough relationship with your parents, you can sit down and talk to them and level with them and be like, hey, look, you know what? It's not that freaking easy. And I have to deal with a lot of stuff. But, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe in the end they won't understand. But I'm I, I, communication for me is huge. And to me, just the way she phrased the question doesn't feel like she necessarily gave her parents that opportunity. Well, she did say she got a summer job, which I think is a step towards the traditional route. And that is a way for uh, her to do something that her parents might be able to better identify with. And then it seems like they still kind of discredited, discredited her experience uh, with, you know, having a tough day. I still think that she tried, at least through her actions, even if she did not verbally communicate very well, her deciding to get a summer job and do something a little more uh, in a traditional sense showed that she was trying to make an effort. Maybe her parents didn't pick up on that. And it's one of the subtleties like, okay, she's trying to cope. And maybe she took the comment from her father the wrong way. I don't really know. There is a lot of, there are a lot of unknowns here. You know, you don't know the emotion behind the conversation or where it was coming from or how it was directed toward her. But you brought up a point earlier that if they developed her talent throughout the years, obviously this isn't her first foray into into athletics. So they would have had to know the background behind this. For them to basically go out and say that it wasn't, that that this summer job was her first foray into real work, quote unquote real work, right? Right. The traditional work is unfair. I get that. I really do. And maybe she's putting a lot of pressure on herself in that regard 
in order to try and satisfy her parents' expectations and her own expectations mm. at the same time. Yeah, I and can see that. She could have very well interpreted this whole thing and, and took it out of proportion. Yeah. But, I, I again, the dynamics are... But that, I mean... It, in the, in that example, I think that comes back to like what I was saying. If you decide to go on a non traditional route, you have to be okay with what's going to come of what other people say yep. and how they feel about your decisions. I agree with that. You know, um, but yeah, that's that's a very good point. So again, this is very different. I don't think I've ever dealt with a situation quite like this one before. It's very foreign to me. I mean, I have friends that go off and work in different states. I guess it's kind of the same thing. But I never hear about these kinds of things from my friends because I guess we don't – guys don't internalize things the same. I, I have to disagree a little bit because I, I did have a, a breaking point one time with my mom. And, I'm, I mean, I'm a pretty laid-back guy, and I, I, mean, I lost my cool, really. That's kind of what it came down to. I was sitting at the table – because it was, I had to have been like either after breakfast or lunch or something. And I was sitting across the table from my mom. I was, I was editing some, I think I was either editing pictures or working on some proposal. Cause at, at that point in time, I, I had a bunch of different things on the, on the, on the pot or on the stove or what do you want to call the analogy? We had, we were working on a film, right? We were, I was doing a licensing contract for a film. Uh-huh. I was editing photos and I, you know, we were still working with a number of different artists on, on independent projects. Okay. Right. So I was had a bunch of hats that I was, wearing at the time and i had just gotten a call to to come in second shoot for a wedding and as soon as i got off the call my mom made some comment about me doing weddings and and she just basically didn't like the idea i I was shooting weddings okay and i just i just snapped and i was like look if you don't if you can't support me and what i'm trying to do what i'm trying to create i would just really rather you not say anything and I packed up my stuff and I left. And that was like as dramatic as I would get, right? <laughs> um, little emo. <laughs> a little I bit. I hate you, mom. <laughs> I mean, you know, after I cooled down, like get out I, of my life. I felt like such an asshole after I, ca- I came home and apologized. Um, I mean, I actually brought her donuts because I just wanted to bring a peace offering because I felt like such a jerk. But afterwards, I, my dad actually had talked to her. He had heard the whole conversation go down and he talked to her and he's like, yeah, you know, it's it's not so much, you know, what you say or what you meant to say. It's it's how it was interpreted by by me and what she was saying. It wasn't anything that was really out of left field. Um, so a little background from my mom: when her and my dad got married, it was a friend of a friend that took the pictures at their wedding. One thing led to another, or something had happened. She got the proofs for her her wedding pictures. And that's the only images she has from her wedding. She didn't get anything else. She, they lost the photos. Wow. Right? This was back when they had like film, film. Film, fo- yeah, oh, wow. film photography back in 83. Uh, so you she, mean they didn't have digital <laughs> cameras back then? No, man, they what? didn't. Yeah. Okay. Crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so her, her whole thing was, was she just didn't want me to end up in a situation where whether it be my fault or not my fault, equipment failure, whatever the case is, where someone was going to be disappointed because they didn't get their pictures. Now, when did you hear about that whole thing? After the fact? Yeah, it was after the fact. So my my problem with the, that situation in particular, and I've had similar falling outs with my mom and even my dad, but 
to take your example and to really blow that up, I think she, the offhanded comments, and this is what I struggle with as a parent, the offhanded remarks that we make to our children are completely justified in our world, right? In our little box. As a parent? As a parent. But give the background. You know, hey, you know what? Approach it differently. Um, I really try to be conscious of this. You know, albeit my kids are still very young to the point where I do not have the opportunity to pose a an experience for my life uh, upon theirs and formulate an example or a lesson. But in that case, it was a perfect way to say, you know what? You're taking on a huge risk and this is how I feel about it. Not, you know, some offhanded remark like yeah. that you know where it's coming from. Like, oh yeah, I knew this before. Yeah. You know, like you can, right. but after the fact, it was totally cool because you can kind of relate to it or did you still kind of hate her for it? No, because even even after the fact, I think she she had read one of the books that I had out. I think it was Humans in New York. I had just gotten a copy of that. Oh. And she was like, she she saw the book. She sent me a text. She's like, I saw I saw the book you got. You're You're way more talented than this. And I could see you doing way more great things and are better things in the future with your career as a photographer and i was just like wow like kind of caught me off guard because just wouldn't expect to hear that right well for me anyway uh my, my parents not saying my parents aren't encouraging they're incredibly encouraging no that's how you kind of paint it. right and I, and I don't want it to be that way because i know my dad listens to the podcast Uh-oh. so <laughs> um he still whip you <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know, once once we talked, she's like, I know, I know you take amazing photos and I know you're very cautious and careful with how you, you know, back up your images and, and store things. I just don't want you to end up in a situation where something bad could happen or a lawsuit happen because people are a little more sue crazy now than yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. But I tell my wife this all the time. Do not project your own experiences onto your children because that will just ruin it for them. In order for your children to really learn and take away from life what Everything that life has to offer, you have to let them fail and fail as as much as they can. To what extent, that's up to the parent, I guess. And she took it upon herself to really mitigate that extent by trying to stop you from doing something that you felt you needed to do, right? It's kind of like a stepping stone for you. But again, for me, communication... It would have worked itself out had it been approached differently. But hindsight's always twenty twenty, So it's very difficult for me to sit here and criticize that whole, the nature of that whole conversation. But here we are criticizing the nature of that conversation. conversation. Regardless, <laughs> that's what we're here for. And that's what we like to do. So if you have any questions that you guys want us to address or have anything that you guys want to bring to our attention to, let us know. You can reach us on social media, our website, anywhere. You guys have all access to us. Please drop us a line and see what we can do for you. Yes. And with that, Turk, where can the people find you? You can find me at my newly christened handle at Turg says no. That is T-U-R-G says no on Instagram and Twitter. And how about you, Randy? I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at I am Randy Z. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure you stop by our website at talk30tome.com for more content and information about the podcast. 
rate us on iTunes, and if you really like what you hear, make sure you hit that donate button. Really appreciate it. For Talk Theory to Me, I'm Turg. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. Peace. season of love are we recording yeah we are <laughs> but the other thing is like you really sing with your eyes and it's kind of enchanting i know <laughs> it's all for you it's wow. all for you okay it's all for you i don't have good <laughs>